2005 Anaheim Harvest Crusade Podcast 2. Hi, this is Craig Patchett, founder of the Godcast Network at godcast.org. Welcome to the second in a series of very special crusade editions of A Time for Harvest. Over the next few days, Steve Webb, host of the LifeSpring podcast, and I, in partnership with Harvest Ministries, will be bringing you podcast coverage of Harvest Ministries' 2005 Anaheim Harvest Crusade. The crusade begins on Friday, July 15th and ends on Sunday, July 17th and will be held at Angel Stadium in Anaheim. Admission, as always, is free, and we encourage you to check it out and bring a friend or two if you're in the Southern California area. It will be an experience you'll never forget. If you can't make it in person, or if you're curious as to what a crusade is all about, these podcasts will give you an opportunity to learn more about different aspects of the crusade, including the music, the volunteers who help make it happen, the experience for those who attend, and the changes it can bring about in people's lives. During the crusade itself, we'll give you a behind-the-scenes look as well as let you listen to each night's message by pastor and evangelist Greg Laurie. So even if you can't attend, you won't miss out. For those of you who haven't attended a Harvest Crusade before, the first thing that will surprise you will probably be the music, and the Anaheim Crusade will be no exception. As Steve Webb pointed out in our previous podcast, this year's music lineup is one of the best we've both seen. In today's show, we're going to take a look at who that lineup consists of and introduce you to each of the artists. We also have interviews with Dan Hasseltine from Jars of Clay and Hans Ives from the Harvest Praise Band. So let's jump right into it. I wanna go deep. The Harvest Crusade kicks off on Friday, July 15th with musical guests Delirious and Casting Crowns. Hailing all the way from England, Delirious started out in the early 90s as the worship band for a monthly youth outreach in the small seaside town of Littlehampton, at which point they called themselves Cutting Edge. In 1996, demand for the music they were creating caused them to change their name and reach out to a broader audience, and to say that things took off from there would be a major understatement. BBC Radio 1 dubbed them Pop's Best Kept Secret, and with almost no media support, their first four singles hit the top ten of the UK indie charts, with two of them making it to the BBC Top 20. In the years since then, Delirious has firmly established itself in the UK and the US and across the world as a leading force in a new, vibrant style of worship music. Says lead singer Martin Smith, We really feel like we can change history. Maybe that's kind of naive, but if we don't believe that, how can we expect anyone else to? What Delirious is all about is invading the culture, grabbing it by the scruff of the neck and saying, we're here to stay. At the heart of it, we want to create an environment where God can come and meet people, and people can come and meet God. You won't find a better such environment than a Harvest Crusade. What if his people prayed? Casting Crowns got their start as a student worship band in Daytona Beach, Florida in 1999. After moving to McDonough, Georgia in 2001, the band finalized its members and recorded two well-received independent CDs. 
A copy of one of the CDs fell into the hands of Mark Miller, lead singer for Sawyer Brown, who liked what he heard, and the rest is history. Miller ended up connecting with Provident Label Group and Stephen Curtis Chapman to form a new label, and Casting Crowns became its flagship artist. The band's style is edgy pop that delivers an uncompromising message that may be a little different than what you've heard before. I want to shake people up and help them see that Jesus is not a religion and God is not a book, says lead vocalist and core member Mark Hall. You can't pray to a book and you can't draw strength from an idea or a standard. Amen. The Harvest Crusade continues on Saturday, July 16th with Toby Mack, Jeremy Camp, and Cutlass. Originally from Washington, D.C., Toby Mack is a Grammy-winning artist with his own record label who has built an impressive solo career over the past five years after spending 11 years with the groundbreaking and highly successful band DC Talk. His diverse musical style touches on everything from hip-hop to grunge, and he himself refers to it as musical gumbo. My style is diversity. It always has been, he says. It's about taking hip-hop and injecting pop melodies and guitars and harmonicas and whatever else it takes to make the song fit the message I'm trying to communicate. And the bottom line of that message is that Toby Mac wants to tap into the society-shaping power of music and erase the divisive lines that keep people and cultures apart. Jeremy Camp's music, a blend of rock and progressive pop, stems directly from heartbreak and faith. Shortly after moving to Southern California from Lafayette, Indiana to attend Bible college, Camp fell in love with and married a woman who he knew had been diagnosed with ovarian cancer. They returned from their honeymoon to find out his wife only had a few months to live. From the depths of this tragedy, however, has emerged some powerful, stirring, and award-winning music. And Camp has recently remarried and has a new baby daughter. Even with all the pain surrounding Melissa's passing, it blows my mind to think of how many people have been strengthened by her story and how it has led me to lean on the Lord, Camp recalls. To have that hurt find healing, and me meeting Adrienne confirms that God has a perfect plan for our lives. It helps me see that our faithfulness also means He'll never leave your side, no matter how deep your sense of struggle may get. Cutlass is a relatively new rock band from Portland, Oregon. Formed in 1999, they broke onto the Christian music scene in 2002 with their debut CD and played an incredible 220 live shows their first year. The hard work and strong music paid off with an award for best-selling new artist and three number one R&R rock singles. With two more releases under their belt since then, including a worship CD, Cutlass has not been content to rest on their laurels, and they still love performing live. It's critical for us to present a live show that is excellent, explains vocalist John Micah Sumrall. We want to blow people away. At the same time, we make sure that the people that come to see a Cutlass show know that Jesus loves them, cares for them, and desires to spend time with them. We are humbled to be able to communicate Christ's love for people night after night. This impressive blend of passion and humility will be on display during Cutlass's performance at the Harvest Crusade on the 16th. 
On Sunday, July 17th, the Harvest Crusade finishes with a bang as it features Grammy Award-winning artists Stephen Curtis Chapman, Jars of Clay, and Crystal Lewis. Born and raised in Paducah, Kentucky, Stephen Curtis Chapman has gone on to become one of Christian music's most accomplished artists. Yet with honors that include 47 Dove Awards, five Grammy Awards, an American Music Award, two certified platinum and seven gold albums, nine million total albums sold, and 41 number one radio hits, Chapman hasn't lost his willingness to experiment and reinvent himself. More importantly, he hasn't compromised the faith that has always formed the foundation for his music. He explains, Every album, I really found myself having to spend several weeks, even months sort of, getting to a place where I felt like I could hear God's voice over and above all the other voices of expectation, of record company, of management, of good, well-meaning people that God has used in my life over the years to help me do what it is I do. Fortunately, Chapman has been successful in silencing those voices each time, and you can hear the results in his albums and on stage Sunday night. Jars of Clay were formed in a dorm at Illinois' Greenville College in 1993 and quickly defined their mostly acoustic blend of alternative folk rock. On a whim, they entered their demo tape in a Gospel Music Association talent competition in 1994 and won. The resulting interest from the music industry was enough to convince them to leave school and move to Nashville, where the 1995 release of their self-titled debut album led to double platinum sales and a huge crossover hit in the song Flood. Since then, the band has produced six more successful CDs, two EPs, and a live DVD. They've sold over five million total albums and won three Grammy Awards. Which brings us to the source of the band's name, which Jars of Clay themselves would be quick to point out. 2 Corinthians 4.7 says, We have this treasure in Jars of Clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, and not from us. In just a moment, we'll talk to Dan Hasseltine from Jars of Clay, but first, let's not overlook Crystal Lewis. Born in Corona, California, and still residing in Southern California, Lewis has been singing since she was four years old, professionally since she was 15. And 23 albums and multiple awards later, those years of experience are a joy to listen to. Blessed with a powerful voice that defies her petite size, Lewis commands respect from the moment she sings her first note. She says that she believes music drawn from the word is living and active. It remains alive and able to convict, consume, and create a spirit of humility, growth, and awareness of God's supernatural presence and power. Nothing could be more evident in the music she creates. Lewis has been an integral part of the Harvest Crusade for over a decade, and if you can make it to Sunday's Crusade, you will be as blessed through her singing as you will be by any other part of the evening. And that wraps up the introductions to the artists who will be performing at the 2005 Anaheim Harvest Crusade. Hopefully you now have a better idea of who they are and what they sound like, and perhaps just as importantly, why they'll be performing. To offer a better look at what does inspire artists to perform at a crusade, Pastor Paul Eaton from Harvest Ministries spoke recently with Dan Hasseltine from Jars of Clay backstage at a Harvest Crusade in Santa Monica, California. 
Uh, we're here with Dan Hasseltine at the Harvest Santa Monica Crusade, and uh, here you are at a Harvest Crusade. What is your reaction to working with Pastor Greg and the Harvest Crusades and being a part of, of what takes place at these events? Uh, you know, and I think it's amazing. I, you know, I come from really a generation that's sort of been on the the far end of of you know when when a lot of these. Um, crusades started happening and things like that and and so you know the the idea of an altar call for me at, at different points was difficult to understand and there's a lot of people from my generation that kind of say you know we didn't really have a day when we accepted Christ we had it was sort of a, a an experience over time and there wasn't really a day it was just this growing relationship and that's you know a bit of a postmodern kind of thing but I think that started in my generation and so it's been interesting. It's been it's been a, an incredibly wonderful experience to be able to be a part of it because because it really challenges me. It challenges me in the same way that you know, when we started playing music, when people would say, you know, you can't play these songs in bars and in clubs. You can't go to those kinds of places and bring God into those places because God's not there. You know, in the same way, I'm being challenged to say, God really is in this this idea, this form of evangelism. God is here and He's working and He's alive and people are moved by the way Greg presents the gospel and and I think it's important and so for me it was really challenging at first and the more we're involved in it the more I, I, I see kind of God's hand moving in, in these places when, when we show up and then finally our mission statement uh, with Harvest Ministries and Harvest Crusades is knowing God and making Him known kind of a twofold thing. How do you personally know God on a daily basis? Hmm. Well, you know, I think it starts with being in the Word. You know, God really says He reveals Himself through His Word. And, and so, as much as I can, I try to, you know, be in the Word when I can. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a discipline, but, you know, in my kind of lifestyle, the way I, I live and being out on the road, it can be hard to find just right. a quiet place, and uh, and so there's Obviously. that. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> and then but the other side of it though is is um, and I think this really started when when Jars was first being challenged, you know, in the way that we approached, you know, going into places to play, um, doing stuff for pop radio or signing with a mainstream record company. You know, people would really bring this idea that that God isn't in these places, or you know, or that's a secular community and and how can you move around in there and and I started really having to to decide that that God was most definitely in those places I mean God has kind of said that you know he's where things are broken he's making all things new and that means he has to be where things are dilapidated and, and structurally unsound and where where lives are being torn apart and broken where people are are stuck in ruts and without any hope that that's where God has to be and if he is in those places then my job is just to look for him, you know, because he's there, and you know our experience of God's love is what changes. His love is always the same, and so we only experience it in ways that when we're kind of attuned to where it's happening. And and so I think every day one of the ways that I that I know God is is in looking for him in the different places that we end up. I mean, every day God can can blow my mind with a way that he he works that's very unconventional. It doesn't hold up to traditional religion or or the ways we might think he'd work and he's far less safe than I've ever 
imagined he would be, and that's exciting and powerful to me because I know his character more in the midst of that. We just talked about knowing God and how you know God on a daily basis. The other side of that is making him known. What is your mission? What is your your focus on making God known to the world with the influence that you might have? There's probably two twofold in that. One is, or maybe three actually, I guess the first is relationships. I mean that our God is a God of relationships and so that's where he is. That's where he teaches us a great deal is through the messy, frustrating, inconvenient world of, of knowing another person and learning how to serve somebody that way. is, is That's the first way I think that, that I, I want other people to know the character of God is through the relationships that I'm in. I think the other the other aspects are, you know, as as a songwriter, an artist, my my job, my role as an artist is to look at the world and describe it. And my my world is informed by my faith. Mm-hmm. And so when I describe the world, it's going to look different, and it's going to um, have this this aroma of the gospel to it. And so that's certainly a way that that we let the rest of the world know know our God. And the last one is we have an organization called Bloodwater Mission that um, we do a lot of work reaching out to people in Africa who are suffering from HIV and AIDS and um, doing community development, building clean water wells in different parts of Africa. And so our conversations about where God and the gospel meet suffering are vital and important and ones that we seem to be having more and more with people on college campuses or in churches or just anywhere that people will listen to just say, look, at there is a Christian response to suffering, and, and the privilege of that is that we see God's character. Mm-hmm. We know God because we're in those places where He's working. And uh, so that's probably the third way that we, we really do that. Okay. Do you have a website or with that missions group that you'd yeah, like to share with us? Yeah, absolutely. It's just bloodwatermission.com. And, uh, yeah, people can just check it out. It's a pretty good website at this point. It's taken us a little while getting it up. But, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. it's a grassroots organization. But we just finished in the last three months. We've, we've been able to begin the process of building 42 different clean water wells in wow. eight different countries in Africa. Wow. And uh, just last and week. And it goes with, yeah. you know, jars of clay, you know. It's like Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's the frailty of mankind. And That's right. we... You know, the band's name is about where does God meet us in our suffering, and now our actions are trying to be about that same thing. So, All right. Thanks. What a privilege to be able to do that. Absolutely. To, to have that kind of impact. So yeah, thank you certainly. for your time. Thank you. God bless you. Harvest Ministry's own Harvest Praise Band also performs at the Crusades, and Paul had a chance to speak with worship leader Hans Ives as well. We're here with Hans Ives with the Harvest Worship Band. What do you think your job is, not only for this crusade, but all crusades, because the Harvest Worship Band comes out, and they're the first faces, the first sound that the people hear. What, do you, what is your job? Uh, the job of the Harvest Worship Band is to usher in an atmosphere that God is in this place, that He's going to do something exciting, that miracles are going to happen. You know, just a sense of, of urgency and excitement that God is about to move. And also just to, to get people fired up, to get them excited. And in some respects as well, also for people that are non-believers that are showing up, never experienced anything with church, and maybe their experience with church music in the past is that it's lame and 
it's all sedate or, or that has no context to anything that they hear nowadays. You know, our job is to begin to break down those walls from the first court. Just let people know, hey, man, Christians can have fun. Christians can play exciting, loud, in-your-face rock music, which is kind of what we do. And, of course, ours is all centered around praise and worship. So, that, But that's, that's our main goal, is to usher in that atmosphere that God is in this place, the awareness that God is here going to do something. So how do you usher in an atmosphere? How do you do that? It sounds like a big job. I mean, can you make God in this place? No, what, what do you do to do that? Well, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says that God is looking for, he's seeking after people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. I absolutely don't have the groove that does that. I don't have the chords that do that. I don't have any of the stuff that does that. That's all a work of the spirit. But my job is to be a vehicle that God uses to do that work. He doesn't need me though. I mean, and when the Pharisees told Jesus to tell his followers to shut up on the day he was entering Jerusalem, and he said, these people are praising you as king, you need to tell them to shut up. And Jesus said, well, if they didn't do it, the rocks and the stones would cry. So it just lets me know that, you know, rocks and stones can do my job. So I need to not think of too highly of myself, but, you know, I'm just a vehicle. And so I think that's really the, the job of a worship leader anytime, is to make people aware, or maybe just remind them, or maybe make them aware for the first time that God's present, that He's here. Yeah. Because you know, and, and people that come in who have a relationship with God know that and, and spot that and, and understand that. But I think there is even a, a real guttural level at which someone who doesn't know God, someone who is far away from God, can sense something yeah. there. Yeah. And uh, it, it's amazing to see that take place. All of a sudden, the music begins, your voices start to, to sing out, and your eyes are looking up towards heaven. Right. And it's almost like someone pointing upwards. Everyone else is going to look up, and it's there, and, and God is in the place. And I've seen it time and time again, and it's so impressive yeah. that he, he joins with us as we praise him. You know, the, the whole spiritual truth, I think, really, of the fact when God's people get together, there's something that happens when God's people get together. In one of the epistles, Paul talks about how, when he's talking about church order, but he's, he says, when you guys meet and when, you, and when the meeting is done in order, then people who don't know the Lord show up and they say, truly, God is meeting with you right now. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening. You know, People come, they don't know the Lord, they see God's people worshiping him, and they, say, you know, they have that realization. God is meeting with these people. And Lord willing, what happens is that they begin that process through over the course of the evening. Mm-hmm. That will um, culminate in them will... inviting him into their lives exactly. and beginning that relationship right. with him. Yeah, uh, which through... is really exciting. Yeah, that is really exciting. Yeah, every bit of music that happens at the Harvest Crusade is intended to be used as a bridge that Pastor Greg can then walk across and deliver the gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is the gospel? Give me the gospel. Well, the gospel is, in a nutshell, that we people are separated from God by our sin. But he, he gave us a solution for that in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ lived the perfect life, a sinless life, came and lived on earth, and then died a sacrificial death that those of us who are sinners deserve to die in punishment for our sin because we're separated from a holy God who requires justice for that sin. Jesus came and paid that debt for us, 
And substitutionally, which is a big word, but if we accept Jesus in our heart and say, yes, he died for my sin, I'm a sinner, and he died for my sin, and I repent of that sin, and now I receive Jesus into my heart, I can be born again and live eternally with God. That's the gospel in a nutshell. That's a very good presentation of the gospel. We're going to get going here with the event tonight, and uh, any closing thoughts from you, Hans? Well, I'm just glad that you guys are listening to this. I pray that it blesses you, and if you hear this before the Anaheim Crusade, looking forward to seeing you at that. Well, thank you for your time once again. My pleasure. God bless you. Hans and the Harvest Praise Band are finishing up a new CD titled, When We Meet which will be available at the Anaheim Crusade or from Harvest Ministries' online store after the 15th. We hope you can experience the music of the Harvest in person by joining us at the Anaheim Crusade on July 15th through 17th or at an upcoming crusade near you. In the meantime, if you'd like to read more about how you can begin a relationship with God right now or if you've recently made a decision to do so, please visit us on the web at www.nogod.org. That's K-N-O-W-G-O-D dot O-R-G. You can register your decision, take advantage of a wealth of resources to help you get the most out of your relationship, and even receive a free copy of the New Testament. If you're already a believer and would like to help support Harvest Crusades by putting a Bible in the hands of a new believer, please visit us at www.harvest.org stw. Lastly, if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, you can do so by visiting www.harvestpodcast.org. You can also visit www.harvest.org devotional to sign up for Pastor Greg's free daily devotional via email. Or you can email Pastor Greg directly at greg at harvest.org. And that wraps up this special crusade edition of A Time for Harvest. Thanks for joining us, and stay subscribed for more special shows along with the crusade itself. God bless you.